Hey, it's Margot Tantau here, host of Windowsill Chats. I am so glad you're here. I have some tales to tell, some interesting stories to discover, and I'm glad you're here to do that with me. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. In the trenches, figuring out what the best way is to get something done, how to get something made, how to get your creative self noticed, how to make the best of a situation. And so I'm here to bring those stories to you and see if there's anything you can pull out from it. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet little corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble Like I need a friend Won't you come and sit in my windowsill again Spin our favorite records Discuss the latest trends Won't you come and sit in my windowsill again Welcome back! To windowsill chats. I am so excited today. I'm recording this in the morning. It's a it's a foggy morning, but it's sunny because I get to talk to one of my dearest friends, mentors, just wonderful people, Ingrid Liss. Ingrid is the vice president of product development and design at GANS Midwest CBK. And that company is one of the largest wholesale gift, holiday, and home decor companies in the US. Ingrid has over 28 years in the industry, including seven years at Demdeco and Silvestri, and 20 at Midwest. She has extensive experience in product design and sourcing and has honed her creative talents as a very inspiring leader and fantastic mentor. That's me saying that because I can. Her career has taken her all over the world to work with artisans and partner suppliers to bring innovative and unique products to the market. She works with independent artists, illustrators, graphic designers, as well as as her experienced team of product designers, and she delights in the joy of fostering creative spirits and dynamic partnerships. One of the cool things about Ingrid is she has a degree in theater, including set design, costume and prop making, and she has further training in graphic design and packaging, so that those things bring a lot of the spirit that she puts into the skills she uses every day to come up with new products. Over the years, the opportunity to develop a strong business acumen has been an additional asset she values and leverages every day as production pricing and marketing considerations influence that final product. She is the proud mother of two beautiful college-age daughters who keep her young at heart and laughing. And I'll add a little bit to that. Uh, Someday Ingrid's going to have a spa. She always said that. (laughs) I just think Ingrid is one of the most inspiring, imaginative spinners of fantastic ideas I've ever met. And she stands for the artist. And so that in my book is, is the most important thing. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such a joy to talk to you. (laughs) Ingrid and I worked together. I came into working at Midwest CBK from being an entrepreneur. And I had met Ingrid in my showroom at the time. And 
and knew her a bit, but she worked for this company at the time, Midwest of Cannon Falls, and it was an importer of, of seasonal products. And, and they kind of took a chance on me and Minnesota had not been on my radar, nor had a job like that. I was just had done my own thing with product development and working with artists. And Ingrid welcomed me with open arms and I learned... I learned what I know from, from Ingrid. I just remember my, my first trip to China and, and looking at pulling out all these, you know, walls full of ornaments and learning about the different materials and things like that. So just, it's been great to grow uh, a business, but more a strong friendship over the years because we, we really believe in, in a lot of the same things. That is so true, Margo. It's been my joy to know you. And from those days when I first knew you and we were, just kind of getting to know what each other was about creatively and soulfully in creativity. I just, I look back fondly on all the fun experiences we have had. We've, we've worked together, but we've also had a lot of fun. And I would say that's one of the wonderful things I love about being in your space and and talking with you is there's always an element of fun. Mm. It's joyous. It's uplifting. And, um, I just know you're wired similarly in that you thrive when you're around other joyful people and people who um, are energized by good things and creativity. I think, you know, one of the things, if you're tasked with the job of creating something and putting it into the market, to have somebody around to bounce ideas off of and collaborate with, it just makes it go so much further. One of the things Ingrid is so good at, and I you know, have done my share of too, but the job of being an art director or a, you know, in charge of finding, getting the idea or getting it from yourself, finding people who have a talent and spinning that into what a product could look like that will go into the market that will, that a retailer will love and buy. And like all the products that, all the ideas for products that exist, you know, I think so often artists today sit in their studio on their own. Maybe they take a course. Maybe they've learned how to draw this or that, but they're, they're like, what do I do with it? How do I get it in front of, in front of somebody? How do I even think about something beyond a bandana right now or, you know, whatever it is. And like, how would you encourage somebody who was just trying to figure that out? Oh, wow. That's, that's a great question. Um, I think being curious is one of the best kind of attributes of any creative person. And so I would encourage people to just in their, within their curiosity to go out researching. For instance, if you fancy yourself a, a gift card designer or you want to make a line of dinnerware, the first thing is to figure out who manufactures those, who's, who makes those, what are the kind of companies that make those kinds of products. So you can do it by going online and researching, digging around a little bit online or going to the store and flipping over, you know, that plate or that mug and seeing who is the importer, who is the company that is marketing this item. And um, just about anything that looks good in a visual way, it might be a utilitarian product or um, something that's just very pedestrian for its use, but has a marvelous design upon it you pretty much know there was an artist or a designer behind that who made that look intriguing or attractive or pretty or whatever it's supposed to look like. And so knowing that and having those visual cues of what looks like it was 
very much designed or what it what is an item that looks like the type of thing that I do whether it's graphic design or illustration would go on that item it's important to know that behind that there's an orchestrator a director someone who works with artists to apply that design or to create an iteration of that and so once you go out and look for all these products you can kind of just jot down the names of these companies google them and um, do a little calling or writing find somebody to connect with who knows who the head of their design is or their product development and honestly um, just connect with them that might be through linkedin if you can get a name that might be asking around the industry do you know of any connections there um, but pretty much most directors or people who purchase designer illustration do have us are very open to hearing from graphic designers or illustrators or product designers because we're all reliant on new material new content so i would say it might sound simple um but the the best thing to do is almost what we used to call an old-fashioned cold call you know mm -hmm. just go in be curious stick around find out who should i talk to and then to have the courage to go to, to connect and to ask and to see if you can get your work in front of someone. And I would say um, there's a high, high chance you, you can show your work and see if it's a fit. Did you hear that everybody? I mean, I really, I couldn't agree more. And yes, we're busy. An art director is busy running around trying to get the latest deadline or something done. But if something's in front of us, and we look at it and it feels unique and different. You've just given us a gift too. Like, you well know, said. Yes. when you, when you open something that feels different to you, like what's your thought process around that? Well, number one, I usually go into shock. because <laughs> <laughs> I would say, sadly, when yep. you get a lot of, a lot of submissions or a lot of things are presented to you, um, just like anything, a lot are very similar. They might be very good, but they're very similar. And that may be absolutely appropriate. However, um, I'm probably more attracted to the different, to mm -hmm. something that's set apart, that's differentiated, that's, that's quite unique. And um, I will always try to find a, a, a way or a way to either use it or to to encourage its use with someone else it's another company that might be interested in it or if it's mm -hmm. not quite right for me but i think it's intriguing i guess i just admire so much when people do something completely unique and different yes. and um that i think many of us rely on that as as directors of product development because if everything is just another generation of the same we don't get very far very fast and we don't do what our primary goal is creatively and that is to surprise and delight and i know that is a cliche used in our field a lot surprise and delight but truly that's where you get that emotional connection from a consumer to an item that they wish to purchase they will be much more likely to purchase it if we can elicit that reaction of, oh my gosh, that's so, that's so cute, or that's perfect for my mom, or that's, oh, I've got to have this. That's really what we're going for. So, so often that, that comes in that moment of surprise. I've never seen this before. How'd yes. they do that? Oh my gosh, I love this. This is so yummy. This is eye candy, whatever that is. And so when I open a package or a portfolio and I see something where I have that kind of a response, 
I stop and I go, what can I do with this? This is unique. This, this makes people stop and look. Mm. And that's my goal. So. Uh, you know, I hope people are taking that to heart. There's definitely, you know, a need for another snowman. I mean, I, I say that, you know, in jest, but it's not really, but it's that unique. If, if it is, if that's what you're looking for, a unique take on it, but even more, what's not a snowman. Think about even any of us, you know, if we're walking into a cool boutique we've heard of, or, you know, looking online right now, but it's that thing we want to pop out to us. Just like you said, that feels different. And I feel like, you know, watching you do that so masterfully, both at Midwest CBK and GANS and at Demdeco, um, take for example, I mean, this has been quite a few years, but Kelly Ray, um, you saw Kelly Ray Roberts work on Instagram. Is that where you first saw her? Well, actually, I, um, I came to work at Demdeco and she had already um, been okay. invited to be part of their okay. portfolio. At the time, um, another colleague of ours, Anne Brown, I believe, mm-hmm. actually made the first oh, connection. Okay. Sorry, Anne. And, <laughs> it was you. Yeah. But wow, kudos to Anne because she really did see something quite different. Kelly yeah. Ray is an artist that Margot's referring to who just did beautiful, beautiful collage sort of work of girls or women with these wonderful uh, messages sort of collaged on their dresses and on, on her works of art. And they were large canvases at the time, but they were these messages, affirmations, mantras, just very uplifting or very soulful, very emotional. Anyway, um, at the time, um, Demdeco was able to license Kelly Ray Roberts' work and reproduce them, wall art and canvases and so forth, pretty much flat work. And mm-hmm. so by the time I got there coming from Midwest, mm-hmm. which is an importer of, of all sorts of giftware, primarily seasonal, as Margot said, which means Christmas ornaments and decorations, but certainly we did a lot of everyday goods. Ours were uh, often much more dimensional or more sculpted. So when I got to Demdeco, that was a knowledge base that I could use. And when I looked at Kelly Ray's work, I said, oh my goodness, I think we could expand this into many more different kinds of formats and piece, ma- piece types um, than just being flat. And so we ultimately started sculpting these beautiful girls or figures in three dimension and reproducing them in resin. And they were very artful. Then we we were doing fashion items. We were doing jewelry with Kelly Ray. We, we went into so many different, you know, ceramic and tabletop and interesting types of gift giving sorts of giftable formats. And I think one of the reasons we were able to go into so many different piece types was it sold really well. Mm-hmm. And it's a great example, Marco, because her work at the time was so unique. Yeah, um, People had not really seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, over several years, we started to see what I would call copycats. Mm-hmm. And maybe this wasn't necessarily intentional, but I do think there's a fine line between following a trend. And mm-hmm. there was a trend during this time. We're talking, you know, eight, 10 years ago, there was definitely a trend uh, that was emerging about marrying verbiage or text or words of affirmation with um, in illustrations or on product and mm-hmm. so forth. We've become very wordy, very expressive. Yes, it sells. And so often we'd, I'd see portfolios come by that looked like 
you know, maybe they'd been inspired a lot by Kelly Ray's work. They wouldn't be necessarily copying, but it, it was too similar for me to be able to make a home for both. Mm-hmm. And that's really the way to look at it. It's, um, I would often have an artist come to me and say, oh, I've got something. I know you'll love this. It's perfect for you guys. You'll, you'll totally get this. And I'll open the book and I'll go, I'm so sorry, but this has the same attributes. Yes, it's, it's taken. Different. The space is kind of taken for right now. And so that, that just kind of dovetails back with being relevant and tr- being trend right on trend or doing things that are relevant and fresh in the market. And we all are inspired by each other. So you can't be totally unique or different. And no one owns a particular kind of word or a particular right, no kind of motif yeah. or, or whatever. But there are ways we can mix it up and make a hybrid or make a cocktail that's our, our own creation. And it's interesting, Margo, you mentioned snowmen. And I have to say, the reason Margo's mentioning snowmen <laughs> is because Midwest, um, at doing a lot of Christmas decorations, I find myself in and out every year trying to figure out, okay, what are the new five, six snowmen collections that I'm going to do this year? How are we going to make them look unique every and different? Every year. Especially, Think about that. Every year. Every year. <laughs> and by the way, most of our... Um, our customer base is traditional. So Mm -hmm. you want that tradition with a twist. And so um, it's challenging. Mm -hmm. You have to have enough components of whatever you're designing so that it, it hits that core of tradition where, you know, it's a snowman and it, it, it uh, pulls at some sort of heartstring, right? But Mm -hmm. it's got to be different enough so that it's compelling. So yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing, but, uh, but pretty fun. If you if you're up for a challenge and, and you dwell in imagination, it's there, right? <laughs> oh, Ingrid List dwells in imagination for sure. I think that's so good. And I, you know, one of the other things that, that we're able to do, I'll just say we, cause we've both done this for a long time, um, is when, say you take some, like a good example, the reason I thought of Kelly Ray is because you really turned what she did at, as a painter into so many dimensional things, like all the way down to, you know, baby things and, and yeah. jewelry, like you said, but what it also depends with um, the vendors and the factories that we work with overseas. We, we have, you know, what Ingrid does now there's, you know, factories come and go and change, but, and some are very straightforward, like a resin factory or a ceramic factory, but it's, it's there might be somebody in that factory that um, is highly creative with a glaze finish or, you know, before I worked with Ingrid at Midwest, before I was got into that kind of production, I used to think, you know, China was just a big place. You'd go there and things would just be made somehow. And they just show it was like a big machine, but it's so, it's absolutely so handmade. One of my favorite factories Um, I don't know exactly how to say it. You do, but it was like Willy Wonka. Like I've never seen anything. I felt like the whole thing place was held together with rubber bands and good luck, you know, and but (laughs) the, the the pieces, if you had the patience, which you needed a lot of patience to work with them, they were absolutely magical craftspeople. And I remember seeing this was my aha, like, oh, 
everything's handmade. I remember being there really late at night and what we'd always asked to walk through the factories because that's where you get these ideas to take a Kelly Ray thing or a snowman to that next level. And this little, this is little, you know, bare light bulb hanging down over this table. And we're kind of walking, stepping over a little canal of water. And, um, and this woman had a styrofoam egg white styrofoam and she had this cut out piece of paper that was cut out just right and she was and it, it had an image on it and she was gluing that by hand image on that egg sticking a wire in it and it was going to go to michael's or something and i remember just thinking mind blown you know like <laughs> somebody's yeah. hands put that water decal on or wrap that egg or whatever but i feel like sending somebody like an Ingrid to a place like that where you see like, oh my gosh, glass glitter or paper mache and cut out um, metal and hand painting and dipping that. Oh my gosh. Just that's where if you see what's possible and you're as an artist licensing, able to connect with somebody that has, whose job it is to know what's possible that's where the magic really gets electric, I think. Yes, that is fun. It is, it is I think, thrilling for people to see how uh, their artwork can be interpreted in three dimension and in a mixture of materials. And, and you probably, I uh, just mentioned the factory, that's one of the most fun to work in. It's probably the most scrappy and um, definitely Very feels scrappy. like you're going, you're kind of in a flea market, yeah. you know, boxes and boxes of ribbons dripping down from all over. It's actually a crafter's dream come true, just walking in there and, and seeing any color of glitter you could possibly imagine. Um, but that is, that is the joy. Honestly, it's, it's so fun to, to do that, to take something in two dimension and bring it to three. So Margo and I have sat with many a sculptor who's working in clay to get the, the form right. And mm -hmm. then it's cast in a mold and then, comes the decoration. How is it painted? How do we get that perfect little blush or that little dot in the eye? You know, all those little tiny details that really make something sing. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun if you can uh, get your artwork reproduced in lots of different ways. And part of it too, you know, we're tasked with and, and the partners we work with is the price, you know, um, I have lots of people come to me with, I have this amazing idea. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that is an amazing idea, but it would cost, you know, more than we could ever sell it for or, or things like that. And that's also the job of, of somebody who's does what Ingrid does to, to, you know, look at how many finish or how it finishes or how it can be painted or, or whatever. That's an excellent point. I wish we could just, um, <laughs> as designers and artists ourselves, it would be great to go in just full bore and make something always look the best it could be or the, the, the most <laughs> gooped up, if you will. Yeah. And that uh, simply we can't, we're not in that era. And so there's always a head on what is affordable. How can you give the, give the impression that something is it's almost like smoke and mirrors. How can you make something look mm -hmm. incredibly special, but know that you only can work with three colors or you can only work with, you know, a limited amount of materials because the market simply wouldn't bear the cost beyond that. And we are in an age where, um, Margo, when you and I worked together, we were very mm -hmm. lucky. We were in the yes. heyday very different of now. Uh, a lot of handcrafted uh, factories mm -hmm. in China and India that w worked in handicraft. And there still are those. However, 
as with any developing countries and as everything has matured, um, it's just difficult to find workers and factories that do that lots of this very tiny detail work anymore. Very difficult to find young people mm-hmm. wanting to do it anymore. So it's it's kind of a not a lost art. You can still find some, but it's um, definitely a different time and age. Things are much simpler than they used to be. I would in think. Terms of I mean, ability to decorate. Yeah, and I've been doing it probably ten years easily less than you. So that like what you the change you would see because when you started, you got you guys were going to like Prague and you know Europe to develop things as well, and then some of the first. I mean, going into China to develop things, you were some of the first people that were. I mean, Midwest was doing that on the early side. You know, I used to remember the stories of like Judy, two other people we worked with, like having to share this crazy hotel room and somebody had to stay awake and guard the door. Like, you know, just the (laughs) stories alone are another whole thing. But true, it's changed a lot based on, you know, what we have to put out into the market and the margins we have to have and who we work for and, and, you know, competition and. Right. It's, it's, it's definitely a different era, but uh, I it's had, exciting. I had somebody ask me, though, recently, do you think licensing is, is dead? Is licensing still happen, happening? What's your, what's your thought on that? Well, you know, I may not be the perfect person to ask that question. Of, I think there's many companies. Um, Demdeco was one at the time that I went to work with them who did a lot of licensing. Midwest, on the other hand, had a history of, we had a very large art department Mm -hmm. um, years ago. And so we did a lot of our things in-house. Now I have kind of a hybrid approach. Um, The artists that I have on staff, certainly I have in-house designers, but I also use outside artists. Uh, So um, I don't, I wouldn't say licensing is dead by any means, but however, there may be different financial ways people um, uh, compensate artists. In other words, not everything always has to be licensed. Mm -hmm. That being said, I would say, number one, if the question is really, are there still opportunities for artists or designers to work in product design? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. The way it's financially accounted for might be different, whether it's a flat fee or paid out or a license. But I would say we are still in the era of wanting and appreciating great graphic design, great illustration, great editorial illustration. Um, Things are more decorative than ever. And as I mentioned when we first started talking, even utilitarian items everything has a design eye to it. There are artists who just decide on Pantone colors for Mm -hmm. blenders. I mean, even that has an artistry behind it, but certainly all the decorative arts. So I think there is definitely more opportunity than ever for artists and illustrators and designers because we're all needing new content. We can't just rest on what always has been. Uh, We've trained, like anyone in fashion or home decor, we've trained consumers to always want the new thing. And whether that's right or wrong, um, consumers do drive what we do. And um, our job is to find new things that will excite and uh, attract them. So yes, I, I would say that no licensing is not dead, and certainly the the profession of product design or product mm-hmm. development is not dead at all. It's probably more important than ever because I think everyone has become more discerning. Uh, mm-hmm. We kind of there's a baseline expectation of things looking good. Um, just things like p 
people, your general person on the street who knows what Etsy is or Pinterest mm -hmm. or an artistic approach with all the cable TV shows, the onset of HGTV and all the shows about designing your backyard garden or, you know, flip or flop or whatever the shows are that you watch. Essentially, that's basically training everyone, no matter whether they're an artist or not, to have a design eye or at mm -hmm. least to know what they like and they appreciate. And so, um, you know, I think there's lots of opportunities out there still. I do too. And I think, you know, there's so many categories. We, we kind of get into what we are attracted to ourselves. Like, I don't know, great tabletop or, you know, cool fashion or whatever. But when you stop and think about what's out there in the market, um, you know, all the kinds of goods for all the kinds of people, somebody has to be, even if it's just a color, somebody's picking the color, like you said, but if it has a design on it, if it's packaged, if it's, on a mobile device or, you know, there's so many ways for an artist to have their work appreciated in a different way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting just to think about what that, what that is and how we all can learn more about it too. Well, it's interesting because I think um, if you look historically, um, you know, one of the things I, I'm just so intrigued with and I love is mid-century um, illustration and especially children's book illustration mid-century so that would be like what 50s and 60s mm -hmm. and um, one of the reasons I love it it seems so modern to me right. it's just it's so interesting the line quality of the, the um, beautiful illustrations and Mary the way Blair's the colors and, yeah. are used yeah, yeah. the Provinces and um, mm. just um, oh. even the Madeline books that yes oh my so, gosh the oh, line and, work yes and so you know it's so fun to look back and see, well, graphic design and illustration has always had a place in our lives, but mm -hmm. I think the number of places is actually more now. Yes. Um, you know, things are more decorated now with illustration and we have more products than ever. And so when I go back and I, I learn and I, I look at mid-century illustration from a historical perspective, I, you know, I just love to feed my soul by looking at all these illustrations, but they're primarily from editorial, you know, from, from magazines or um, where the great illustration was appreciated or advertisements and certainly book illustration, especially children's book illustration. So that was great. That was fertile ground. And then certainly tabletop that's always been designed, but I would say not as many or not as vibrant as a climate we live in now. I just mm -hmm. really, I think our opportunities are, are more than ever, honestly. So it's, it's fun. Yeah, it really is. I, I feel like more and more companies have their hand in the mix. I mean, I'm certainly now with a reduced ability to go look at things and see things that will change and just companies financial stability, et cetera. However, there's, you know, we were talking about this too, print, print on demand. There's ways for artists to get their own work done on different products. And, and I certainly hope that that will continue to grow. I, I'm involved in, in things like that all the time. But, you know, I think um, we were talking a little bit about this too. As a creative in a, in a corporate climate, in a corporate company, especially you know, wistfully looking back and saying, oh, <laughs> this is how it used to be. But, you know, all the way along, we're overcoming challenges and learning and figuring it out and being scrappy and making it work. And I would love you to lean into some of those challenges and what inspires how you get through it. Like, 
how it's different now from being stuck in a monsoon rather than being stuck in a boardroom with a, a certain <laughs> percentage you had to meet? Well, let's see. I, I think when I look back, um, you know, I started as a product designer, very young and very, very, I was a senior designer. I started a uh, senior product designer at Midwest and it was really um, one of the first in a very small team that went overseas to see if we couldn't do differentiated design that is proprietary designs rather than import everything just as it was from Asia. The idea was to draw our own designs and think of our own things and then uh, go overseas and get them manufactured and worked with the sculptresses and the same. And that was groundbreaking at the time. At the time it was, yeah, because most people were going and just shopping off the shopping from the showrooms and off the shelf over in Asia. And our um, president and owner of the company at the time just sort of had this feeling that in order to grow and in order to differentiate, we needed to do just that. And so it was worth the investment in designers. Well, we were very young, our small little team, and very scrappy and up for anything. So yes, we we were going, this would have been the mid 80s. And uh, our little team would go and we would dig around these showrooms and, and certainly stay in the hotels you alluded to where there was hardly a lock on the door and you know the the roads outside were you know muddy often or we were Mm -hmm. out in villages and you know schlepping around from village to village and you know somehow getting there somehow getting it done and the end result you'd never know it was so clean and pristine and wonderful these these products would come off the line and they just look gorgeous and you'd see them at the stores at at home and it, it was quite amazing the journey that a that a product took and um but you know when you're young and you're kind of boundless and you have you know lots of confidence we were just not scared we were we weren't scared creatively we were just kind of like well let's try this it was all that big sort of let's put on a show mentality mm-hmm. that, perfect hey, for you kids, <laughs> let's put on a show you know we got this we can do this and i would say that just you know being in this career this many years and being an older person now it's something I think about trying to retain that spirit and trying to recapture sometimes when I lose it. And that's just hard maybe as you get older anyway, as you become a parent or you become responsible for more things. You know, ultimately I, you know, grew to run the department or to be a big contributor at the executive level of lots of budgets and all the other sort of things that you have to worry about. And you know, as an artist, sometimes the things that you think are kind of unfun, but you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the challenges is just to retain that, that joie de vivre of what, mm-hmm. what, what are we really doing here? And I, I feel so grateful that I, for whatever reason, maybe it's part of my DNA or my wiring, um, I feel maybe because I value it so much, I, I retain a childlike spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I imagination is a word I think a lot about because I always relied on it, and I always somehow knew that I could pretty much dream up anything. You know, in my head, I'm, I'm gifted to be able to visualize and to make up stories. I, I had a grandmother who was an amazing storyteller, and my grandpa who was an artist, and. Mm-hmm you know, it it was just interesting. I might've gotten some of that sort of mix in me somewhere. And storytelling is such a part of product design and development that um, I'm always looking for the story behind it. And so 
I would say the one of the biggest challenges for me just in working all these years is retaining that childlike spirit with artistry. It isn't hard for me because that's naturally where I go to, but within the context of being a business person mm -hmm. and having to really, you know, present things or promote things or be professional, yeah. you know, it's definitely challenging depending on the, the corporate environment you're working in. And, you know, some people understand that and celebrate that. And I've been so blessed in my life to have many mentors and kindred spirits around me and, and the companies I've worked for who totally understood me. And in fact, were like me, what, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that that's helpful sometimes because it, it's so different when you work in a company, you're often working with people who are wired exactly opposite yeah. of you. You know, they're on the other side of the brain and they're, they're charging their responsibilities, make things perfect and make the process run things mm -hmm. perfectly. And to see things in black and white, and we see things on this side of the brain in color or definitely yeah. in gray. And so I think the biggest challenge is trying to not lose my creative spirit or my childlike approach mm -hmm. within a business context to be able to figure out where's that middle ground where I can package things palatably and I can communicate well to the people who really need to understand a language yeah. that they don't naturally speak, but that I do and vice versa, you know? So anyway, um, yeah, that, that, that's probably been the thing that's, you know, challenged me the most at different turning points, but I, for the most yeah. part, it's pretty much worked out, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that having that childlike willingness to be, you know, look at something a different way or, um, just take on a challenge also because um, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to go into corporate was to learn more about product and product development. And you know, how lucky was I halcyon days, but you, you say that you say that a lot. These are halcyon days. I, I stole that from you because it was, I, I think of it every time I say it. And, and you, those are th times we know when we look back, you know, to, to what, what feels especially magical in our lives. And I think um, when you are supported and working with people who listen and support, you know, your ideas and bend just a little bit, but also push back with really, it's going to cost 25%, 25 cents more if we deboss that snowman then, but, and you're like, and if we don't deboss that snowman, no one's ever going to buy it. You know, those funny little, <laughs> those yes. little things. But yeah. I think, and that's what shift, you know, both of us have had different paths, but I'm, I'm my, I know I've said this before, but my sister told me once, you know, you get out on the right side of bed every day. Like you just get out of bed on the right side and, and forge ahead. And I, I, you definitely have that. And I think for those people who are artists, working in their studio or who are creatives or anybody doing anything. If you're trying to launch an idea or if you're trying to just figure out how to, how to move forward, it's, it's realizing that you're in the world because of your story and people want to hear that thing. But if you're not linear and you're working with somebody who is, you know, if you can bring your kind of moment of joy to it and try to understand, you know, just it's one day you'll get through this thing. Something really good comes of that. And we learn along the way. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, Marco, but I found that interestingly enough, you know, being paired in business with 
people who are complementary to my skill set has actually created some of the best friendships I've yeah. ever had. Yeah. So in and of certainly a lot of the learning, my goodness, I feel like I have had a graduate degree in business. Just I've gotten it through osmosis to the people I've worked with all these years who are so good at the things that I wasn't trained in. And then I, I feel so fortunate to have had my compliment. And mm -hmm. interestingly enough, they often wind up to be good friends. So mm -hmm. I think it's not necessarily surrounding yourself with like types, I guess. Right. Um, sometimes it's, harder. It, yeah. However, I will say that I think it, sometimes we just, you know, artists and designers do tend to be very sensitive. We, we are a sensitive mm -hmm. lot. And sometimes, mm -hmm. and I know this for myself, I've benefited with you know, having kindred spirits around me also that, that were wired similarly, just to mm -hmm. assure me that it's okay to be wired this way. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think, you know, no matter how far you go, many of us have insecurities that just pop up here or there, or really, am I on the right track? Or you know, do I have worth? I'm just an artist, you know, but, but it, so what, uh, surrounding ourselves with kindred spirits is really important too. And, uh, you know, it's a balance, like everything. I agree. And I think collaborating gets, for me at least, so much further. You know, when, when you can look at something and say to somebody, what do you think? You know, should we put glitter on this or not? Or, you know, just that's a beautiful that's thing. Very fun. Yes. And, and right now in this time when we're all working from home and finding, you know, these conversations I find so, um, just add so much spirit to my day. And, and just being able to have a call where you are working with somebody or, you know, do a 30 day challenge or something like that, where it's, it's putting you um, in sync with a couple more people that might be thinking similarly. But, Absolutely. I think that's key to the human spirit, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'd take some long plane trips together and dream and scheme along the way. But I also heard some great stories. Do you have a, a favorite story that comes up that people wouldn't believe you lived through on <laughs> one? here. <laughs> Does anything particular, you and, and Paul in the opera, you know, all these coming into it at a different time and looking back, I mean, we all have our stories, but I would love for you to share a favorite, favorite, oh my gosh, you won't believe this escapade. Well, yes, I, I will admit I had some escapades and so did my colleagues whose stories I've felt free to tell along the way yeah. too, because it was so amazing. I mean, we really were pioneers in a way, but I guess maybe my favorite one is, um, and we used to put this under the mantra, all in the, all in the course of giftware. In other words, <laughs> we do all this for giftware. Why? We're not sure, but we do it. Anyway, um, uh, so uh, we used to work in the Philippines a lot, which is a wonderful, wonderful country filled with the most amazing designers and artists and dancers and singers and musicians. Yeah. It's just the most vibrant place. And I absolutely love the people there. So we had an office there and we used to spend at least a week or 10 days working there. And then we'd go up to Taiwan and spend another 10 days working on the road there. But anyway, at one point, um, uh, I had finished my work in the Philippines in Manila. Um, I had been there already a week and I'd finished all my, um, my work. And um, so the last night we were going out to dinner, I was going with our agent who ran the office there and her husband and we drove up into the mountains and uh, we had our lovely dinner up there. It was like a little Italian bistro and we walked outside about nine, nine o'clock at night, 9.30 after dinner. 
And all of a sudden it looked like it was snowing and there was snow all over the car. That was my, of course, coming from Minnesota. I'm yeah. Doing a big disconnect here. I'm going, wait a second, this looks like snow, but no. And it was powder. And it was, uh, we, you know, wiped on the windshield. This isn't snow. This is like powder. And it was just floating down like snow. Oh we were gosh. way up on this mountain. And so we got in the car and it was kind of slippery to drive in. And um, we turned the radio on and Mount Pinatubo had blown up, right? Oh like my gosh. And, uh, <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was so harrowing this drive down oh this mountain gosh. back into Manila, Makati in the middle. And I wound up, um, they dropped me off at the hotel and I was going to, I was going to uh, go to Hong Kong the next morning. So I was leaving the country the next morning. Well, I got up with my bags packed and was ready to check out of the hotel that morning. And I looked outside and there was, there was like a foot of oh this gosh. volcanic ash. And they said, sorry, no flights are going. Oh We've closed the airport. There's nothing happening. And I was beside myself. Now what? And yeah. so I basically had to just wait and stay there. And every morning for the next seven days, oh I... I would ask every morning, are there any flights? No, nobody's flying in, nobody's flying out. It's not safe to fly. So I was basically restricted to this hotel, living this hotel for a week, not knowing what was going to go on. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's the earthquakes and the tremors that happen after the volcano. That was very harrowing. Anyway, they were so worried about me back in Minnesota at my company that one of our owner's brother arranged, he was in charge of the shipping and... <laughs> Everything. He arranged for my passage out on a midnight ship, a container ship, no less. <laughs> this is the part I remember. And so it's Saturday night. I've already been there like a week. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God I've got a way out. I guess it's going to be on a ship because we don't know. I see a no container one ship, not just any ship. ship. Yeah, just with sailors and like nowhere to be. And anyway, I was like, okay, I'm young, I'm gay, yeah. you know out of here Bring I want to go home. <laughs> yeah and so I'm waiting by the pool the hotel we used to stay at was right at Manila Bay the beautiful pool it wasn't it would have been great except there was ash all over yeah. it so it was, it was not like I could suntan or enjoy this or anything or swim but anyway I was waiting out by the pool having a little drink just waiting for that my my midnight you know sail and all of a sudden I got a message Mrs. List Mrs. List you, you got to go to the airport right away you're on the first flight out the flights oh are going gosh, you got to go and I thought oh my god this is excellent I, <laughs> no I don't kidding. have to go on the container the ship three, months, the three hour cruise oh my god so anyway I got myself to the airport which was just crazy and um got out on a flight that ultimately left for tai Taipei Oh, Taiwan, um, at about three in the morning and it was harrowing in itself because it was the first flight out and there was still ash on the runway but anyway all's well that ends well but actually i realized that probably isn't the story you were thinking of and well I'll no that's a one really quickly yeah please so another time yes i went back i went back many times another time i had two other colleagues and what would happen in downtown manila and the business district is called makati in Makati, we'd do our business, and then we'd go and stay out um, uh, near the airport at a hotel, right? Uh, and it was the same hotel out on the water. And um, beautiful, kind of resorty, beautiful palm trees and a pool and everything. So it was great because after a day of work, you could just go back and relax. And so myself and my two colleagues, we had um, gone to dinner. We, 
in, in town, in, in Makati, done all our business and we had dinner and we went to get in the cab and the doorman was going to put us in a cab and he said, well, the cabs are really shutting down now. You're, you're really only going to be able to go about, he said, where are you going? And we said, well, we're going out to, you know, Rojas Boulevard by the airport. And he said, well, the cab can't get you there. And they're only going a few blocks. You can go for a few blocks. And we said, what? He said, oh, the streets are flooding. The streets are flooding. The cabs won't take you. And we're looking at each other and going, we don't see anything here. Yeah. Oh, we, we didn't know, you know, well, we'll take our chances. So we get in this cab with our big briefcases. At the time, there were no laptops. Right. I, I carried a file cabinet with me oh and my all my gosh. supplies and everything. And the other two guys also had their big, huge um, briefcases. Anyway, we get in this cab, we start driving. We drive about two blocks. The guy was right in. All of a sudden, we hit a wall of water, and we're right in the entrance to a freeway. Oh. And we get onto this freeway, and uh, we drive for like only about 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, it's, we're stopped dead in traffic, and the water is up to the bottom of the windows. That's oh, how my, high the it, bottom of the windows. The windows, yes. And so we're stopped at traffic. We're going, well, now what do we do? We're on this freeway. We know we're nowhere near you know, where we're supposed to be, yeah. our hotel. And, our, and we're going, oh my gosh. So we waited, we waited. And the cab driver's very patient. He goes, I can't move. We waited for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Oh well, we gosh. don't wait well. You know, we're, <laughs> in. we're young and we're just, we are not the type to sit around. So we <laughs> felt kind of bad. I was a girl and there were these two other boys and I swear they looked at each other and said, should we ditch the girl? <laughs> we're leaving now. <laughs> but now they were kind and they asked me, are you up for it? We're getting out of here. We're walking. Wow. And I said, sure, I'm not, I'm not staying here. I want to go too. So we got our briefcases. We put them on our shoulders like this. Oh my Thank God. God I was wearing a mini skirt because I was able to walk in. I'm not kidding. It, the water was waist high. We got oh out of the cab, God. the three of us, and we started walking. We didn't even know where we were walking. The cab driver pointed us in the direction of the ocean where we knew our hotel was. Oh my we started gosh. walking. We're walking on a freeway. Okay. And there were cars for as long as you could see. It was just stopped at traffic on either way. We walk for a little bit in like waste water and it's hard to walk. Like I said, the yeah. I had a skirt because I could move, but the boys, the guys, oh. they had to roll the, their trouser legs up because they just couldn't walk through the water fast enough. Here it's floating, you know, it's, it's wafting by, right? And we're trying to walk in the direction the guy pointed. All of a sudden we're in the barrio. We're not on the freeway anymore. We're oh, in no. these neighborhoods and everything is dark. There's these little light bulbs every once in a while. It's pitch dark. It's raining like crazy. Oh, now it's raining. God. It's monsoon weather. <laughs> and that's why the streets were flooding. Okay. So we walk and we walk and we're just like, I, I swear we were in shock. We didn't know where we were going. We we're just, but we kept walking kind of in the right direction. Once in a while we'd see, we saw a lot of garbage swim by because, yeah. you know, things would float in the streets and we'd see, you know, this float by and that float by one, once in a while we'd see a person. Well, anyway, we must've been getting close. We, I remember asking somebody, are, you know, are we walking in the right direction? Because people were kind of out and about, but everybody was kind of trying to flee, but oh knew, knowing it was dangerous. Anyway, finally, ultimately, we got to a place where the water went down a little bit, and there was like a van that pulled up, and we were knocking on the windows going, can you tell us where we are? Is there any way we can ride with you? And, and he said, yeah, get in. I'll take you there. So thank goodness for the last like 10 minutes, we got a ride to our wow. hotel. Well. 
So we walk in looking like drown rats. I must have taken a shower for probably a two-hour shower because yeah. I was so worried we were in contaminated mm. water. And I had to fly out in the morning again, one of those, and um, leave my colleagues. I was flying by myself to Hong Kong. And um, I did get out in the morning on time, and I wound up, I was going to have breakfast at my girlfriend's apartment because it was a Sunday. And I knocked on her door that morning, and she goes, oh, my God, Ingrid, I'm so glad to see you. Do you know there were several people who died last night walking through the streets of Manila? They, they were sadly sucked into manhole covers, and many people died. Oh, and she said, gracious. do you know how many? There were rats swimming by. There was garbage oh flowing by. And she said, I'm just so glad to see you. Are you sure you're okay? And I'm going, oh, my God, I, am, I can't believe I did this. And, yes, I'm okay. Okay, and I'm done with my work. And can I go home now? Oh my! <laughs> so, all for the sake of a beautiful Christmas ornament. <laughs> yeah, who knew? But anyway, it was very tragic. But it, it oh, um, I realized we'd been walking in the middle of those streets, right where oh, the man you, you And how really long were you the in the water? Probably about two hours, two and a half, maybe. <gasps> yeah, it was quite a long walk, and it was slow because we're walking through flooded streets. Yeah. But. Um, it was kind of harrowing. I mean, I do remember seeing sort of things swim by and they were yeah. probably rats and, you know, so anyway, um, but you know what? <laughs> but you get, I <laughs> it mean, it was like, okay, got to, what else are you going to do? You know, right. What else are you going to do? And, um, you know, it all's well that ends well, didn't get sick, was fine and whatever. But oh my it was actually in some ways, it's kind of fun to have some adventures like that. Of yeah, course, it's, it is say that in retrospect, but you know, um, it makes you know you're alive. And Life it is added never a little boring. dimension. <laughs> For sure. it, kind of, it kind of also, um, you know, I have to just say working, this is something I feel very passionate about working in at that time. Manila wasn't really a third world country, but, or a city. Um, the country definitely still developing and perhaps still is, but at that time was. And it, it's just been honestly a privilege to do business in countries that yeah are developing and it really an experience like that as well as many of the times where we didn't have those kind of harrowing experiences sure. but we were out in villages or we were in situations factories that weren't well built or homes right that are you know just really almost on borderline poverty where the yeah. workers were working on daily to make a daily wage you know for their families uh to be able to see that firsthand and to have to de- to develop that awareness of again and be reminded of the privilege that we are all have have grown up with and to realize you know again it is just i find it a a gift to have been made aware of that and and um to just be able to have that experience so that informs um my thinking about people and humanity yeah. and our place in the world and um just that many people have these kind of conditions where yeah. the the systems don't always work or the infrastructure isn't always there and, and that they go on with their lives and, and, and it's just humbling, humbling to, to be uh, in their space, honestly, to be it is part of that. It's humbling. Gift is the word that came to me too when you were talking about that, because I feel like um, having the opportunity to, see the world differently, you know, see who that person is that's wrapping that paper around the egg, see what 
um, living conditions are like and, and make, the, make the decision who to work with because of how they treat the people they're working with and things like that. You know, it expands our, our mindset. It expands our, our concern for things, thankfully. Right. Um, our desire to make the right thing, work with the right people, make good decisions, all that. So I, I think as a human, I'm so grateful to understand a little bit more of that dimension and to make, hopefully that translates to better decisions and, and more thoughtful uh, interactions, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg, but I really appreciate you sharing those things because often I think we come across so shiny and as this product or anything and you know, or a a photograph that we want to look a certain way, but we are the sum of all those parts and stories. And, and I appreciate bringing that to the front. It's (laughs) I, in my mind, Ingrid, I had combined the walking through the water and the container ship in the same story. I had you getting back (laughs) to the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) They are similar. You, you, you guys could hopefully see what I mean. Some, some really excellent times, uh, while we're doing work that was pretty um yes unexpected yeah uh, unexpected that that's for sure um yeah i would love to know um i love to ask three people that are inspiring you creative or otherwise today just to kind of ground us where we are wow that's a hard question for me i, know. I don't know if i can do this one justice <laughs> you don't have to i'm trying to think of you know it's an odd time. I feel like I should be able to say who's inspiring me creatively, but honestly, like so many other people in the world, I don't think that's where my mm-hmm. thoughts are going. Yep. They're going much more to inspiring human beings mm-hmm. and people who are trying to stay um, upbeat and uplifting and lighthearted and positive, but also action-oriented towards mm-hmm. the hard time which we're living in. So I would say the people that are inspiring me are actually um, everyday heroes. Yeah. Um, the people who are on the front lines of dealing with our terrible pandemic right now, yeah. but also the people who are speaking, about, speaking out against so forcefully about all the social issues we have, finally grappling, hopefully, or keeping, getting top of mind, hopefully keeping top of mind our our um, inequities in our society with regard to race and opportunity and all the things that, that divide us. And so, you know, when you ask me that question, I think about people like just my iconic people like Michelle Obama, who I still think is the epitome of grace and smarts Mm -hmm. and wondrous things. And, um, you know, people who are, who like to be bridges, people who really want to be build bridges rather than divide us. And um, so I, I don't know, that's an interesting question being in a creative talk because it's really <laughs> along with our frontline everyday heroes, as I mentioned, people who are on the frontline, the nurses, the doctors, but all the people who come to their neighbor's aid in such simple and humble ways. And it's something that, you know, it's really top of mind for me yeah. right now. And creativity is very important and doing what I do is very important, but honestly, how to be a real human being and grow into that even more, um, to not be myself oriented, other, to be more other oriented is something. I'm so glad you said that. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that in this process of slowing down and not having the, you know, not 
forcing ourselves to, you know, have to do the things we're used to and having so much tumult uh, in the world around us. I, I think that it's nothing's more important appropriate than than calling out those that um are really standing up and we really want to listen to and um i hope that those voices remain as loud as we um are hearing them right now and that more join them that's right i hope that's the key too i agree and i think finding ways to join them you know it's interesting i do a lot of self uh contemplation about these type of things because I've been so privileged to have a career and a life where I've been such a busy mom and such a busy professional traveling all the time and all of this. I feel bad I haven't had more time to give to some of the things, give of my time Mm -hmm. to things that I feel passionate about. And now that my life is a little bit more in transition, um, I'm not traveling to Asia five times a year anymore. Nobody's traveling and I'm still working a lot, but not And my children are older. I really feel it's time for me to figure out ways that I can actively join voices Mm -hmm. that I, uh, that, that inspire me because I do think it's about many more of us being much more vocal and much more active than ever. And I count myself, I hold myself responsible to that. And that's a goal for myself just to be, to be very uh, intentional about um, broadening how, how I think my my own personal responsibility can be. So. I love that. I mean, I think, and that's what we were talking about earlier, you know, creativity or just how we show up in the world when it's your job and, and you're tasked to make a product, um, that doesn't mean we don't think about everything else that's going on or, or, or what it's, what kind of market's going to make in, in the world really even. I mean, so if, if, if those, if those creative thoughts can be turned towards helping, um, in other ways, I think that's just that much more effective and powerful. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you being here. I, you're just one of those people that I am so feel so lucky to have cross paths with. And I, I look forward to all of the more adventures and things we can dream up and, and what that looks like. And I just, I just, Thank you. I'm grateful for you. Well, thank you so much. Those are very kind words. And I, I'm grateful for you too. And I just, uh, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. And I, uh, I'm one of your biggest fans. So ah. it's just, it's wonderful to be able to participate in a little way like this. So thanks. Right yeah. back at you. Hey, thanks so much for being here with me today. I just love these conversations. They mean the world to me. I love being able to share with you these wonderful people that I have met along the way. They mean so much. So if you want to check out the show notes or my favorites or anything like that, head on over to tantostudio.com and I'll have everything there, all the details that we talked about today. So again, thanks so much for being here and feel free to head over to wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple or Spotify, and leave a review for Windowsill Chats and subscribe. I will see you next week. I so appreciate you lovelies. Thanks for being here.